This is a show about being spooked for fun, and the hosts are not affiliated with the attractions discussed in any way, except for those skeletons in Devin's closet. Some topics might go from ghoulish to ghastly, so viewer discretion is advised. Welcome to The Great American Scream. Spooky ghost. Oh my god. Devin Wright, hello. I didn't know I was in the presence of a spooky ghost. <laughs> and welcome to the Great American Scream, a podcast about everything haunted in the United States, except not really haunted, just the scary stuff. Good that one. you pay money for. What is this? It's Adam? like this is all about why Americans like to scare themselves for fun. We love horror movies. Every Halloween we go out and do like spooky hay rides and haunted houses. We love doing like the Momo stuff. Like we love scaring ourselves. I don't like the Momo stuff. <laughs> the Momo stuff's scary. Like, exactly, but like the kids still do it. The kids do do it. So I want to know why, and I want to explore what's what's the the scariest and the funnest that and I'm, America has to offer. Yeah, and I'm here for the. Google Goose and gags, and also, I hate scary stuff a lot, but hopefully I hate it in an entertaining way, because I get jeeved out by all the goose and ghoulies. You are mostly here so I can talk about theme parks uninterrupted for 45 minutes. Exactly. So, speaking of theme parks, one of the epicenters of sort of the theme park world is Orlando, Florida. Heard of it? Um, Have you? Really? It's a little-known town. Two of sort of the biggest giants in the industry... Gatorland. So, Gatorland. And Discovery Cove. And Discovery Cove. Well, Discovery Cove is part of SeaWorld, but I'll give you well, that goof. Alright. Um, Gatorland and... Disney World. Oh, no, the Holy Idiot. Land. The Holy Land. Uh, <laughs> Which is where my dad would threaten to take us when we started arguing in the car on the way to Disney World, and he would say we're going to go to the Holy Land instead of a real theme park. <laughs> we're going to go to the Holy Land so you can learn about Christ. Yeah, exactly. So it's Walt Disney World and it's Universal Studios. I am a former Walt Disney World cast member, but I'm also a Universal Studios annual pass holder, so I don't know where my loyalties lie. I'm a viewer of Disney movies and a rider of the Hulk. Yeah, so you had a qualm about visiting theme parks in October. Yeah, okay. I'm very, I'm very much here for the premise of this podcast. I think it's very interesting to talk about the different haunted things and events that people go to. I think there's some interesting podcasts to happen there. I myself am a podcast professional, having produced uh, half a season of one show. And I, I was on board until I found out that we were doing theme parks in October as our first episode, which nobody goes to theme parks in October. You go to theme parks as, as a New Yorker. You yourself are a New Yorker. You know that there are only three times when New Yorkers go to Florida to go to a theme park or go to Florida at all. It is during the summer to go to a theme park, during Christmas to go to a theme park, or when you retire so you can die there in a retirement home. Okay, first of all, you go during President's Week. So you're already wrong. Super weird. Yes, you do, because you have the week off of school. Anyway. You from... have one day <laughs> off of work. Off For, of school. During pre- well, no, when you were in like high school during President's Week, you had the whole week off. Comment below. Somebody went to a shitty That's high school that didn't get to... I went to a public high school. <laughs> and so did I. But coming from a former theme park worker, Christmas time is the worst time to go to a theme park ever. But you. theme parks can be kind of a slow time uh, in October, unless that theme park offers a Halloween event and universal... Universal Studios in both Orlando and Hollywood happens to I would guess that most of them do. Most of them do, yeah. But 
uh, Universal happens to host probably what is the number one theme park Halloween event in the world, which is Halloween Horror Nights. So Halloween Horror Nights is a hard ticket event, which means it is a separate admission from your daily pass to get into the park that transforms the whole park into different areas of scare zones and haunted mazes based off of movies or original concepts by the team at Universal. And what makes it so great and what makes it the number one Halloween event in the world, in most people's opinions, not everyone's, um, is that the people that work at Universal Studios are all movie-making geniuses. So they have the investment into the props, the costumes, these really in-depth storylines that makes the event really great. Hmm. It's got a big cult following. There are people you can buy what's called a frequent fear pass which is basically a season pass for the whole season to go to Halloween Horror That's Nights. actually what my neuropsychologist uh, gave me when he diagnosed me with anxiety. <laughs> a frequent fear a pass. Frequent fear pass. <laughs> And there are people that go to this event like every night that it's on in Orlando, which can get to upwards of 40 nights depending on the season. Mm, like after, a prophet in the desert yeah. is dedicated to the spook. <laughs> after following the event for years on the internet, I finally got to go in 2018. And it really like ignited my true love for haunted attractions, which is why this podcast exists. So uh, why don't we talk about... How the event got started. Yeah, so um, I'm interested. So when you think of what theme park in Orlando is the biggest theme park, mm. people say Disney World because it's Disney and they own everything. Yes. And Universal is kind of always the second one they mentioned. Yes. So like, why did this come up when? Because Universal started before Disney. Yes. No. 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 Walt Disney World opened before. No, I mean the Halloweenness. Yes. No, the Halloween event happened way before Disney started theirs. Okay. However. Disney, as a theme park entity, existed in Orlando before Universal right. Studios did. So Universal Studios opened in 1990, um, and it was kind of already riddled with problems when it opened. It was like this big thing there. Alex said it was like backed by Steven Spielberg. He was like their opening day to cut the ribbon, which is why so many attractions at Universal are based off of Spielberg's movies. Jaws. E.T. Like e. Jaws. Yeah, the yeah, best yeah. ride ever created, and it's, it's, and it's gone. a travesty that it's, it's gone. gone. But it's gone for Diagon Alley, so like... Yeah, it's gone from some for some wizard... I don't care, care about. Uh, I'm just kidding. I love Harry Potter. Yeah, no, Devin's a big Harry Potter stan. I, yeah, um, but not. I don't stand the author. Anyway. Okay, great. Yeah, me neither. But so Disney kind of already dominated the scene of the theme park world in uh, Orlando. So Universal kind of wanted to get into this. Their movies are very popular, and they said, you know, we should start thinking about opening up sort of a, a gate in Orlando. Um, so they approached Michael Eisner, who at the time yes. was the CEO of. <laughs> was at the time was the CEO of Paramount Pictures and they said hey we want you to help us like we want you to head this Universal East Coast Park project and Michael Eisner did not express interest so the project was tabled because he was such a big name in movies they didn't really have another person they wanted to use so what you're saying is that Universal Studios dodged a bullet Yes, but that's another episode where I'm going to talk about Michael Eisner. Yeah. But so Eisner, the spookiest of the spookiest of, of, of theme park CEO is Michael Eisner so Michael Eisner became the CEO of Disney, and when he shortly after this happened, and then when he started sort of coming up with his own creative ideas within the company, he said, "Hey, we should have a movie park." And that became MGM. And yes, so when they announced Universal Studios opening to like this big fanfare, they said, "We are Universal Studios, and we are going to open this really cool uh, theme park." Michael Eisner went, uh, "Actually." We've been uh, building a movie park this whole time. And there's going to so, be a big hat in it and it's gonna that be everybody a bi- loves. Well, the hat wasn't there that first. That everybody loves. It's their favorite thing. <laughs> the hat, okay. The hat didn't open with the park. Yes, 
and that's so, because they didn't have enough money for it, so they're like, I guess we'll build the theater. I guess we'll build the theater just as a placeholder for the hat. So the concept of Disney, uh, MGM Studios, so Disney announced it, built it, and opened it before Universal even got the chance to open Universal Studios, which incredible. is incredible. Yeah. Universal was like, hey, you stole our idea. And Michael Eisner was like, mm, not really, because we've kind of been talking about a movie park since like 1986, so it's not really our fault. Um, and Universal somehow, or Disney somehow got off scot-free. Um, Incredible. And, and, the Universal's opening day, they took out a full-page ad, I think in the Orlando Sentinel, that said, like, welcome Universal Studios, like, what's good for uh, Orlando tourism is good for Florida, and, like, a picture of Mickey Mouse from Walt Disney Studios, which is incredible. I want to start a separate podcast now about things that happened on opening days of theme parks, because Mm -hmm. my favorite one that I'm going to tell now, I'm going to, this is my podcast within a podcast. (laughs) It's called uh, Theme Park Whoopsies. Uh, and when Euro Disney was opened, uh, people bombed the power lines. Mm, yes, that is, is true. Direct action. But so I love you, France. Here's what happened on opening day of Universal. Yes. So Universal at the time had these three e-ticket rides, or their big attractions. Yes. It was Confrontation, which is like a simulator kind of ride where you were in, elev- or in a, uh, what are those called, cable cars? Yeah. Yeah, and, and then you got attacked by yeah, King Kong. Javert and uh, Jean Valjean like, <laughs> sing at you, and they... One fights with the chair. Yeah, exactly. Um, Confrontation, um, Jaws, and Earthquake, which was similar to Confrontation, except that it was in a subway. Yes, I cried Um, in that ride in in 2002. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's scary. It's just so beautiful. It's just so powerful. The quake. But so... (laughs) The quake. It's just so powerful. But so, there were a bunch of power outages on opening day um, that shut down Kong and Earthquake several times during the day. And then it was also thundering and storming, which had to shut down Jaws because theme park policy is that if there's lightning in a certain mile radius of the area, you can't have water. Yeah, Yeah. no, no sharks. No sharks allowed if lightning is around. Yeah, because then the lightning strikes the shark and it becomes an electric shark. Yeah, it's a fire shark. Yeah, it's now yeah. They basically all three of their e-ticket rides were down, and everyone was like, "Why are we here?" So the lines for the other attractions got really long, and Universal was like, "That didn't go well." So then the park, the people who run the park, go. That was scary for us. Wait, light bulb, let's make it scary for them. I mean, kind of. <laughs> um, they were struggling with attendance for their whole first year. They opened Back to the Future in 1991, which kind of brought a nice incredible uh, crowd in because they were like, hey, people like these movies. Universal was like, what can we do that Disney hasn't done yet, basically? And so Jay Stein, who was the park president at the time, and Julie Zimmerman, who was a prominent member of Universal Creative, they came up with the idea of something called Fright Nights, which was a Halloween event that at the time cost twelve ninety five a person. Oh, frightening. Um, tickets for Halloween Horror Nights now go from 60 to $100 a night. Even um, more frightening. So it was three nights, that's it, and it had one house called the Dungeon of Terror, which was a huge hit. The Dungeon of Terror was like this medieval dungeon, and you would go through, and you'd go past different show scenes of like monsters and other scary people like torturing people okay. in different ways. Some of them were like dressed as guests to give the implication that like, oh, guests had gotten that kidnapped you would, during the day. You would get tortured. Yeah, eventually. Yes. Which became a motif that Universal ends up using in a lot of scare zones and houses in the future. Um, um, that's disturbing, but go on. <laughs> They, uh, cause, like, I'll get to it. So in 1992, they changed the name to Halloween Horror Nights 
Partly because Fright Nights is a dumb name, and partly because Fright yes. Nights was a copyright name at the time. Oh. So they went, okay, we're going to call this Halloween Horror Nights. And they also introduced this year Bill and Ted's Excellent Halloween Adventure. That based seems off like an of, idea that cannot fail. Based off of, I think, one of my favorite films of the 80s, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, which was a big parody show starring Bill and Ted where they would have to defend Universal from like some movie villain. Like The first year, it was like the Universal Classic Monsters, and then it's just different villains from popular movies and pop culture every year. They do a big dance number. It's all celebrity See, parodies. That's, that's genius. For Universal, that does have ownership over all of these monsters. Yes, exactly. That should be uh, public domain but aren't, thanks to uh, draconian copyright law. Thanks to Disney. Thanks to Disney. Yeah. There's the twist. Um, that's just like, that, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it, it was... Uh, it showed up in every Halloween Horror Nights event for years to come and ended in 2017, much to everyone's heartbreak. And so the Universal Classic Monsters, because Universal had claimed these very famous monsters, they were very prominent in the first couple years of Halloween Horror Nights. They were used as sort of the mascots of the event. Like, you know these monsters... They were very recognizable by the theme park crowd. So as the 90s continued, the events getting bigger and bigger, they start including things called scare zones, which were designated areas of the park, like themed areas, where instead of having to wait online for a house, scare actors would just roam around and scare you. You don't have to wait online, and it was all themed to a certain sure. spooky theme. Kind of a free roam scare time. Yes. Like a- can, he didn't like. You don't want to spend an hour waiting for poltergeist. Just go into the scare yeah, zone. Nobody and, listen. When I go to a haunted house, I think this is too easy. I yeah. always go to a place to get scared, and and I'd like the scares to be like how they are in real life, which is that they creep up on me mm-hmm. and unannounced spook the yeah. shit out of me. Nowhere is safe. And this also so Universal Halloween Horror Nights actually coined the term scare Um and wow. they introduced something called Ghoul School, which was the first school for. How, not to be confused with the uh, motion picture Scooby-Doo and the Ghoul School, but it was a training school for how to scare people. Not to be confused with the school that I'm an alumni of, Cool School. <laughs> the Cool School in Coolsville. Oh, um, God. I think Coolsville sucks. <laughs> I think Coolsville sucks. So, anyway. So in 1995, they introduced the first icon. They, they said, we need this a mascot for the event, and the mascot was the Crypt Keeper from the HBO show Tales of the Crypt. You rang? Yes, Exactly. So he had his own house, and he served as the host for the event, and it really drew a lot of people into Halloween Horror Nights, because everyone was like, hey, I know that guy. This was a haunted house? He wasn't going, welcome to my split level. (laughs) It wasn't like, here's my kitchen, and like... Welcome to HGTV. Yeah, it wasn't like, welcome to my crib, but it was, welcome to my crib. Yeah. So they also introduced the first uh, 3D house in 1999. All houses Um, are 3D. Yes, I know. All houses are 3D. (laughs) But what made this one 3D is they use a special paint, and then you put on these 3D glasses before you go into the house, and I guess it makes stuff appear closer than it is. I don't know. I've never been through one of the 3D houses. Like a car mirror. Yes. um, Spooks may be closer than uh, than they actually appear. And they did this for a lot of houses. Um, Asylum Wonderland was a 3D house. Lunatic's Playground was a 3D house. Okay, Adam, this is all very fun, but I want to learn about Jack the Clown. You want to learn about Jack the Clown? Jack the Clown. Okay, so in Halloween Horror Nights X 2000, they started with Roman numerals and then they switched to numbers. Because they're at like 27 now, so it's it's too many. Yeah, we don't want to be the Super Bowl. Yeah, exactly. So they introduced the first original icon. They used the Crypt Keeper for a couple of years, and they were like, we like we are a park that makes movies. We need to create a story for this. So they introduced Jack Schmidt, 
otherwise known as Jack the Clown. Okay. So he has a back, he had a backstory that came out in a lot of press and media, which is that in 1920 he was a circ, uh, he was a clown in a circus and he murdered 13 children. When the circus ringleader found out, he murdered Jack and hid his body and the bodies of the children in the carnival's house of horrors. And then the carnival was abandoned until decades later when it was discovered by a BBC documentary team who met a quote grisly fate. It does not explain how Jack came back to life, but I'm okay with that. This is why Universal is the best, is these weird meta-narratives about, like, a documentary team. Yes. Like, it wasn't enough to have a scary clown murder children and then for him to get murdered by a scary ringleader. They had to have a, a news team yes. come. It's like the, the reason why Mummy the Ride is so good. Because it's like a meta, it's like you're on the, the set. actors. But then the mummy comes, that's yeah. just so good. And honestly, like that's part of the genius of Universal. Their pitch when they went to the park was ride the movies and not just step into the world of the movie, but like step into the movie making yeah. world and ride that. But anyhow, so all of the houses and scare zones that year were tied to Jack's story. It was five houses and four scare zones. So some of the houses were like anxiety in 3D, which is just like my day, yeah. <laughs> which was sort of Jack's like little fun house. And they had the scare zones. It was like the midway of Dr. Morose, okay. um, which I think was just themed to like be a circus freak show carnival Neat. midway. And also clown attack. <laughs> Kind of hot and cold there. Yeah, Clown Attack, which they probably could have come up with a slightly snappier name. Uh, yeah, like, uh, I don't know. Uh, this is why we don't work for Universal. This is, yeah. Um, this is yeah. why I talk about them and don't create them. But so Clown Attack was a textbook like you were chased by scary clowns. Yes. Um, so Jack was a huge hit amongst okay. guests. People loved Jack. And, the, and like the really cohesive storytelling aspect of the event really worked. All right. So Jack the Clown really works. I'm sure that the next year went absolutely swimmingly. Yes. So uh, 2001. Oh, God. Uh, Halloween season. Starting to get into August, yeah, not a great year. September, not a great year. So the original plan, they said Jack was so successful, let's continue his storyline. So they introduced Jack's little brother, Eddie. So Eddie was supposed to be... Also followed in the family footsteps of being a murderer. Yes, being a murderer. And he was supposed to be the like most violent and realistic, frightening character that Universal created for this event. Um, the, the tagline for the event was, no more clowning around. And the implication, Genius. the story was that Eddie had murdered Jack and kind of taken Halloween Horror Nights hijack. That's why they couldn't hijack. Hijack. Uh, they couldn't name, they named the thing Clown Attack because they were saving up all their creative juices for, for no, no more, more clowning around. around. Exactly. Um, they also had, there were another tagline was ICU, like the three letters, because Eddie had like this one milky green eye that was Weird. in a lot of the uh, the press. Yucky. Um, so Eddie looked really scary. He had like crazy hair and like this paint on his face and he wore like a like a Bane mask, but it was it was like leather okay. or something. Um, and he was supposed to be, because audience were proving like, hey, we're good with the scary stuff, like we can handle more. Um, and it was supposed to be a really bloody year, no fantasy horror, all slasher stuff. Yeah. And then the September 11th attacks happened and right. it fall dangerously close to Halloween Horror Nights opening at the beginning of October. Um, so Universal immediately said like this is way too soon. We need to change this event. So they took out every reference to blood, gore, severed heads, severed limbs, nothing. And all references to the word terror were taken away. Got it. Um, because of the implications of terrorism. So all blood was replaced with like a green ooze and the theme they then changed to was more of a fantasy horror. Got it. Um, instead of realistic bloody horror. So Makes a couple sense. of things changed. So there was a yeah. parade. The Festival of the Dead parade became Nightmares on Parade. 
Um, a house called Bloodbath Underground became Ooze Zone. That's that's a win. Yeah, that's, think, yeah. you think it's a win for Ooze yeah, Zone? Was, was that was Ooze Zone was the bad guy in that one Ivan Ooze from the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers movie? I mean, possibly. I wasn't there. But well, if it's not, I'm disappointed. It could be a backstory. Um, and then Terrorland, which is supposed to be like fractured fairy tales, became uh, Scary Tales, just to get rid of the terror word. And actually, right. Scary Tales would become a Halloween Horror Nights kind of franchise for years to come. There was a Scary Tales house last year. I'll get to that later. Yeah. Um, so Eddie was scrapped entirely because he basically looked and acted too much like a terrorist. Yeah, there's a um, lot of odd kidnapping, hijacking. There's yes. some problems um, there. So they brought Jack back with the tagline... Jack is Jack is back. Jack is back, Incredible. yes. Incredible. And then Jack kind of matched this like fantastical fantasy horror theme. And people were okay with this. Because, like, they love Jack. But all of the press and stuff for Eddie had already come out, so people were a little confused. Um, And Universal Creative wasn't really sure how to proceed in a post-9-11 world. Like, can we keep having this bloody, bloody event? Um, Yes. And this is from, like, Halloween Horror Nights, like, 12 to 19. So as the 2000s continued. Mm -hmm. um, Alice's Adventure, which is Universal's second gate in Orlando. And the better better park. Uh, uh, we'll see. All right. Um, it opened in 1999 and was struggling with attendance, so they moved the event to Islands of Adventure initially, and they themed kind of Islands of Adventure to be all the different islands, like this corrupted, scary version of what it is during the day. So, like, you know Marvel Superhero Island, which is where Spider-Man and the Hulk yes. are? It became something called Island Under Siege, which was sort of the city overrun by villains, and they had the bodies of dead superheroes, and not just, like, random superheroes, like Captain America, Spider-Man, that like, the icons sick. strewn up as trophies and, like, lying on the street. Marvel was not thrilled about this. I am. And they said, please don't do that again. And Universal said, okay. But it was there for one glorious year. Jurassic Park became this area of, like, dinosaur-human hybrids. Uh. Chimeras. Um, yes. Incredible. And then, but I see here Booville, yes, which Booville. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking is a, a scary version of the Grinch Still Christmas Whoville. Yes, so it's there's an area called Seuss Landing and the Seuss Oh my estate. god, I'm right? Yes, yes. I thought, wait, I thought you knew you were right. <laughs> I did not. There's an area called Seuss Landing um, uh, and the doctor, the Seuss estate, his wife, did not want Seuss Landing to have anything to do with Halloween Horror Nights. She okay. said, like, this is an area for children. Like, absolutely not. Yeah. Um, but Universal still wanted to keep the cohesive theme, so they changed Seuss Landing to Booville. So which they is... said, screw you and screw your dead husband. <laughs> we gonna put some dead kids in there. And, no. Okay. What they did do is they played some spooky music and turned off all the lights, and the story of the area was that all of, like, the creatures were, like, locked underground. Spooky. That was it. Yes. So, also... What happened with Cindy? Was, so, there was this, Cindy uh, Lou Boo. Yeah, no, this was that... <laughs> Cindy, not to be confused with uh, Cindy Lou Who, she didn't have anything to do with... Uh, what with... Cindy are we talking about? It's not Lopper. I wish it no, was, No, I, I wish it was Cindy Lopper. Cindy, in the year 2002 was supposed to be the icon of the event. She was like the textbook scary child. Okay. Um, she like little Wednesday Adams child. Um, but then in the Orlando Sanford area that year, there was a string of child kidnappings, and they said, eh, maybe not. Universal's really hitting. It yeah, they're the, really striking out. Like almost, that's two years in a row. It's almost like scary things are scary. And shouldn't be put up in theme parks. And have implications. Um, um, now, I want to talk about the next thing. Wait, but so they changed the icon to the caretaker. Okay. Um, who was her father, who was like a spooky mortician. Um, Creepy. He like cut people's limbs off and stuff like that. Ah, um, okay. So <laughs> I need to talk about the next thing. Yeah. Because you mentioned this in our pre-production meeting. Yeah, yeah. This bullet point says, Penn Teller nuked Vegas. Yeah. 
Now, so I've weird. seen Penn and Teller fool us, which is my favorite TV show ever. I watch okay. reruns on YouTube. I love that tall man who loves libertarianism, mm-hmm. and I love the small man who doesn't speak because he is a socialist and doesn't want to hurt the tall man's feelings. Okay. They did an ICBM on Vegas. Yeah, so there okay. was a house that year. This has nothing to do with like the development of Halloween Horror Nights. I just love to talk about it. So they had a house that year. Um, they started introducing the idea of like celebrity houses. Like Alice Cooper had a house. Rob Zombie had a house. But Penn now, and Teller. What would Rob Zombies be themed around? Um, house of a Thousand Corpses. Interestingly enough. Novel. Um, Wouldn't have seen it from him. Yeah, exactly. But um, Penn and Teller don't really fall into that same social circle. No, of, they're fun. They're fun, happy magicians for people uncles. who are visiting yeah. Vegas. Yes. Yeah. So the story of this house was. Um, I'm going to read this from the Universal website at the time. Um, in an event to enhance one of their signature magic tricks, where the duo catch a bullet with their teeth, they decided to ditch the revolvers and instead settle for intercontinental ballistic missiles. Unfortunately, this souped-up trick goes horribly wrong, and in turn, the city of Las Vegas is irradiated as a result of this botch. Penn and Teller, however, were unable to salvage what was left of the uh, were able to salvage what was left of the once thriving casino city and have placed it under radiation containment tents. These people, yeah, said. Hey, you know nuclear war? Mm-hmm. Like, I know back then... This you was know, 2002. Was 2002, we had a great level-headed guy in the White House, uh-huh. and North Korea was not a problem, uh-huh. famously. Yeah. They were like, let's do Fallout New Vegas, but real, and because of Penn & Teller. Well, this was... people did. Wait, when did Fallout New Vegas come out? Way later. Okay, good. <laughs> say maybe this was the inspiration. Maybe this inspired Fallout, Fallout New Vegas, Vegas, the best Fallout game. But also, I don't dodge the question, Adam. <laughs> Are you asking me how, why? Why? You know, like, I've tried to find as much information on this house as I can, including videos. I can't seem to find any other than, like, promotional photos of what the logo looked like. I am curious as to whether Penn & Teller approached Universal with this idea, or Universal went, hey, Penn & Teller, we have this idea. Oh, which one is better? I don't know. They're both so which good. One is better? I like the idea of Penn & Teller coming to Universal and saying, <laughs> I'm going to put three ideas under these three cups, and I'm going to move them around, <laughs> and you have to pick one. Yeah. Except the trick is that they switch out fun, spooky magic show, and they switch out a zombie magic show, and all three cups have nuclear we annihilation Las Vegas, <laughs> yeah. So that was that year. Um, in 2013, they introduced a new icon called the Director. He was a director that made snuff films. That was his whole thing. Oh, my God. Um, his little theme song was like... Very real. Yes. It was a director that made... His little theme song was uh, like, you, you ought to be in pictures. He had a signature kill, which a lot of these icons had, where he would be like filming somebody in a scene in a bathtub, then he'd drop like a toaster in there or something and kill them. Um, All right. That's and fun. Interestingly, about 2013, they planned to do a house called Severe Fear, which was going to be their most intense haunted house yet. It was scrapped last minute because creative really wanted to push it and really wanted to do it. And then higher-ups kind of went, we don't know about this. But basically it involved you getting, like, thrown into an open coffin, like, climbing through a chain-link fence, Mm. climbing in the tunnel, where you were, like, like chased by crawling scare actors. There was one room where you, like, were given the guys to escape, but they were all locked, and then a chainsaw man came through one of the doors... 
there was a safe word, um, which was I'm a fluffy bunny, which was what you were supposed okay. to say if you wanted to get out. So humiliating. Yes. Hey, you want to be safe? Make a fool out of yourself. Yeah, exactly. You, you just paid us, however, twelve ninety five. I don't know what the price range was at this point, but yes, um, the, the higher ups scrapped it last minute and they said mm, maybe not. Yeah, maybe maybe not. Universal. Yeah. Um, so in uh, 2015... Um, Not 2015. This is Scary Nights 15, This right? is Scary Nights 15. So that's 2000 what? Oh, pardon me, 2005. Okay. Not 2015. And when I said 2013, I meant 2003. Yes. Anyway, so this was uh, the storyteller, who is the icon, who I have to say, like, no Tino shade to her. She's my least favorite icon. She's basically a scary grandma who she tells stories and she cuts people's tongues out. That's now, about it. I'm not a big fan of that, but what I am a big fan of is what her name is. Could you please? No, no, find no. That? that is okay. That is not her name. Oh. This was so. Here's there was a big marketing discrepancy because the icon was a storyteller, but all of the houses and scare zones that year were based off of this concept called Terracuntis. Terra. No, 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 no. Terracuntis. Terra. Terra. Terracuntis. Terra. Earnestly, I could not tell you. I don't want to know anything more. I want to believe that this grandmother's name is Tara Krutis. <laughs> I went to high school with Mrs. her. Mrs. Krutis. Um, how are you, Mrs. Krutis? So Tara Krutis was this idea of this parallel earth that was very scary. Um, and then she was, uh, it was ruled by the queen who was this like biker babe, like eldritch abomination in a leather jacket and she rode a motorcycle. This seems way and cooler. she drank wine that was blood and like she was... Was it wine or was it blood? I, it was wine that was blood. It was fermented blood. That's not... It was... <laughs> it she, was fermented blood. It was Jesus' blood. It was... Yeah. It was, the only wine that is blood that I know of is, is that blood good of Christ. juice that I drink every Sunday. <laughs> but so Universal Creative was really pushing ter- the Terra Cruntis concept but the higher ups went, we want the storyteller as the icon because this is really confusing. So the the whole event was kind of a mess. Adam, I'm with you. I'm still bumping on Terra Cruntis. Terra Cruntis? What, what's the Latin root that they're going for? What You're is the Cruntis scholar here. Mean? I don't know. What does Cruntis what mean? What does Cruntis mean? Does the internet say? I don't know. He I think it was a word a, they made up. He seems to be a metal music artist. Oh, Cruntis? Oh, Cruntis, Latin. You don't tell me that this... What does it mean? What does it mean? <laughs> okay, so this definitely hurt me. Uh-huh. Because... Did it come up? It came up. Latin to English. Latin. Cruntus. English. Cruntus. Damn it. <laughs> well, I guess we'll never know. Yeah. I think it means spooky. Uh, probably. Yeah. It's it's the Latin... Uh, it's the Latin root, root for, for spooky. spooky. Yeah. Um, so in 2006, this was the year that, first of all, I will always remember because it had a very scary commercial. Um, and when I was eight years old-ish, sitting in my living room in Florida, this commercial would come on like Nickelodeon because it was like targeted advertising for like people in the Orlando area. Yeah. So it was this guy and he would wake up and he was in a glass coffin. So he was like banging uh, against the top of the glass coffin. There was okay. spooky music playing. And then in another room there were, so this was an anniversary event. So they brought back the four original icons, Jack, okay. the storyteller, the director, the caretaker. Not um, Eddie. Not Eddie. Eddie didn't make a return until years later. Um, never as an icon, but he was in a house. Um, but so this was the four original icons and they were like lighting a birthday cake that had like 16 and then it played like a very spooky happy birthday and they would like slowly walk toward this man in his glass coffin yes. and he was like beating on it like you could see his breath on the coffin and yes. they would all put the cake down and then there was a knife and it was stabbed and I was very afraid of it. It gave me nightmares for months. I'm very afraid now. <laughs> it was very scary. If, um, if, oh, I'm very, I'm very afraid. I don't like this at all. But so the theme was like sweet 16 because it was, 
Oh. Halloween Horror Nights 16th anniversary. Well, now I'm on board. So it was the big, it was the big, so they brought back the four original icons and they had the scare zone at the front of the park was the four icons doing their signature kills. So the caretaker, okay. like, cutting guys, like, toe off or something, I don't remember. Um, the storyteller and telling the story, cutting, kills it. yeah, cutting yeah. someone's tongue off. The director uh, electrocuting someone in the bathtub. And Jax, who is my favorite, the human blender, which is a big blender that he puts a person in. And what's really good about the human blender is that it has um, measurements on the side for how many people you need to fill to that certain line. So it's like one person for like a quarter of a cup and like two people. See, for I half like a cup. that. Yeah, I'm good. into a human blender. It's really good. The human um, blender is uh, also my signature dance move. Oh, how's it? Like, how do you do it? Where's it? This is an audio only medium. I know, but but I'm gonna tell, show it to you. Are you gonna show it to yeah. me? Do you want me to describe it as I'm seeing it? Or yeah, just, I'm doing it right now. Yeah, it's um, it's all from like the nips up, and there's no lower body movement involved, and you kind of alternate between the way that your head is thrashing oh, and your two, your head and both your arms move independently of each other, and then you pull your shoulder. I think I, I think I pulled my leptrezius or whatever that muscle. is. Your spooky muscle. Anyway, it was a big that so that was a big hit. People love the original icons coming back. Yes. they're all really excited. Um, so in 2017, they said, hey, let's bring back Jack. People love Jack. Horror Night Jack. 17. 2007. Sorry. Horror Sorry, Night 2007. Yeah. Horror Night 17. It was the, the big thing. It was called Carnival of Carnage. So it was Jack's return, and he was traveling the globe collecting oddities and murderers for his carnival. Oh. Um, and so Universal got the rights to Leatherface from Texas Chainsaw Massacre, yes. Jason Voorhees from the Friday the 13th franchise, and Freddy Krueger from the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. Yes. Um, it was huge. People loved it because they were like, oh, we love these movies. Um, they also introduced Chance, who was... The rapper. Uh, yeah, Chance the rapper, who got his start at Halloween Horror Nights. Yes, but he was there as the fun... He was the not... He was, like, in the Bill and Ted show, yeah. Yeah. Chance was uh, Jack's kind of, like, Harlequin sidekick. Guess who they were inspired by? Chance the Rapper. Yeah. Uh, The Joker and Harlequin. Yes. Hell yeah. Um, It was basically the closest they could get to doing the Joker and Harley Quinn without DC being like, excuse me, don't do that. It was a big hit. Everyone loved that event. In 2018, the icon was Bloody Mary. Horror Nights Um, 18. Sorry, Horror Nights 18. You made this outline. I know. Horror Nights 18, the icon was Bloody Mary. It's a pretty good event, but and Bloody Mary is a pretty popular icon, but they ended up never being able to use her again because, fun fact, the story of Bloody Mary is copyrighted. Well, that didn't stop me from trying to do it in my uh, bathroom in my elementary school. Exactly. Uh, seeing what I assume was my breath on the mirror and mm. running out screaming. That it was like Bloody a, Mary. Like the child I was. Yeah. So you can, like, the whoever owns that copyright can probably legally sue every me. child. Yeah. You. And every child that has ever attempted Bloody Mary. Which, fun fact, this is the same reason why Rudolph um, it cannot be in any Christmas theme park shows because Rudolph or in any Halloween or in Halloween shows, shows yeah. or in any shows really because he is also copyrighted hmm. including the song so well, that one makes sense in 2019 uh, Harness 19 <laughs> I'm gonna fix it yes it was Usher the guy the dude yeah the so artist. they could like it's Chance the, the Rapper it's yes. Usher it's hip hop it's R&B no more horror yeah just exactly they're starting to get to the 2010 so yeah yes. all the houses are based on popular horror movies and they introduced this icon the Usher and the Usher he's kind of he's kind of silly I like him yeah he was uh, he was an Usher at the Universal Palace Theater he was very adamant about following the rules of the movie theater so don't talk don't take out your cell phone yes. blah 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 and so he got into a fight with a 
patron who took his flashlight and threw it at the screen. And then this so he went. So he, intricate. He went behind the screen to retrieve his flashlight. And then and shot And somehow them. got strang- tangled up in the ropes behind the screen and died. So now he haunts the Universal Palace Theater, okay. making sure that you enforce the rules of the movies. Yes. So that was the 2000s. Let's all go to the lobby. That was his theme song. What? Was the Let's All Go to the Lobby song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's creepy. So the 2010s. Yes. Uh, Horror Nights 20. This was a big anniversary year. This was the 20th anniversary of Halloween Horror yes. Nights. They said, Very how exciting. do we top all the icons you've ever done? So they brought back all their most famous icons and they said, okay, these were all actually pawns for fear itself. And the icon of the event was the embodiment of fear. Yes. He was like on stilts. He was like this eldritchy. He had like veins and he had a big excess. This is the horror I'm into. Car on his chest. He had big old wings. He was a good icon, but like he was so big that he couldn't be in his own house. So he kind of just like stood around. So it wasn't. They don't have vaulted fl- ceilings in the haunted houses. I mean, they do, but it's it's still hard. Like he it's didn't difficult. really fit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, stilts. They don't really do stilts in houses. He fit thematically. But he fit didn't thematically. Fit physically. Yes. Got it. Um, also, they brought back Cindy this year, and she got her own house. Oh, good for her. Yeah, exactly. Um, the house was called Orphanage with an F. <laughs> ashes to ashes. I don't know why. Um, orphanage. Orphanage. Or forphanage. Ashes to ash. Or funage, asses to asses, apples to apples, (laughs) which was the first house at Halloween Horror Nights to have fire inside the house. That's um, generally you don't want fire in the house. It was a it was a school bus so that that's was on very fire. Sp- it was cool. It was super cool. Very spooky as well. Very spooky. Yeah. In uh, Horror Nights twenty one, the icon was Lady Luck. She was fine. The um, scariest of all. She was like this redhead lady in a green dress, and she'd be like, "Ooh, like choose your fate." Um, and then she would turn scary if you had bad luck and stuff like that. Ooh. And so all of the houses, like she would make, she didn't have her own house, but in every house she was a character in the house. So like this was the year they had an Edgar Allan Poe house called the okay. Madness of Poe. And there was a scene in the house when like Poe was deciding like whether to stay in um, London or somewhere or yeah. like get a ticket to sure. Maryland where he ended up writing all the stories and going crazy. And she was like the ticket seller person. And then there was a house called the Forsaken, which was about Columbus's fourth lost ship that got cursed. And she was Queen Isabella deciding if Columbus or this guy who captained the fourth ship was going to be the leader of the expedition. So it was all about fate and chance. It was yeah, fine. Well, uh, the upside to being the fourth uh, ship mm-hmm. of Columbus that gets lost at sea, you don't commit genocide. Exactly. You turn into like ghost zombies, but you yeah. don't commit genocide. Yeah, you don't, dis- you don't rediscover a new continent, but you do come back as a haunted theme at Universal Studios. Exactly. So, <laughs> Lady Luck... Very good thing for Universal. Their fortunes are up. Uh, now let's see the wheel turn. Yeah. Um, Lady Luck was fine, but so Horror Nights 22, they decided not to have an icon for some reason. Probably because Lady Luck wasn't that successful. Like, she was no Jack the Clown. She was no, like, Usher caretaker director. So they were like, okay, let's not do an icon this year. And hmm. all of our houses are going to be based off of movies because that brings in the most people. Yes. Also, there's going to be The Walking Dead because this was the first year, 2012, where The Walking Dead premiered on AMC and everyone went nuts over it. So there was a uh, a Walking Dead house. and instead A Walking of, Dead house? A Walking Dead house, and instead of scare zones, 
they had these roaming hordes of scare actors with like chainsaws and stuff. So the idea was That's that like sick. no place was safe. Like you didn't you, you couldn't escape the scare zone. There's zombies you. everywhere. However, it didn't really work out that way because choreographically for the whole park, like they would all get concentrated in one area. So we'd walk long stretches of the park with no scares. Yeah, it was like, a mess. Kind of like a Renaissance fair situation. Kind of like a Renaissance you get fair. Get all the actors in one place. Field. They just want their equity fifteen, in even the though they're not equity. Yeah, they want to just sit behind the joust place and eat their carrots. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it was a big mess. Nobody liked it. The next year was a slightly smaller mess, but still a mess. Um, still had no icon. Still no icon. And this time they brought back scare zones, but every scare zone was a different episode of The Walking Dead. Really, really going all in. Like nobody, it, like it drew record numbers because people were like, yeah, The Walking Dead. But like, but it feels empty because all of our things are based on one IP. Yeah, it's all The Walking Dead. And like people yeah. were starting to get sick of it. In Hard Nights 24, it was more Walking Dead. Like oh Walking God. Dead, Walking Dead became the icon of the event, which people really didn't like. Yeah, like it brought I don't like in, it. it brought in a lot of tourists, but like the dead, diehard Halloween Horror Nights fans really missed the original story. You're right, dead hard. The That's dead hard. They're, they're, they're dead hard for Halloween Horror Nights. Um, oh, I don't like that. Never mind. <laughs> um, so in Horror Nights 25, they bring back Jack the Clown for the big 25th anniversary. Oh, finally. Everyone was hype. They brought they brought on the Carnage Returns, which was a stage show of the uh, the uh, the Carnival of Carnage, where he would yes. just kill a bunch of people. It was great. Um, it ran for 30 nights, which is the longest the event has ever run. There was another Walking Dead house that was a complete mess. There was a scene... Have you seen the show? Yes. I haven't seen the show. I'm so, reading the... Yeah. Yeah, there's a, the scene in the show when they go into, like, a flooded food bank. Yes. And so... That was the... That was it? It wasn't the whole house. It was okay. a scene in the house, but basically they were like, we're going to do this really cool flooded food bank scene. But what it was, it was two scare actors in, like, a jacuzzi tub. Yes. Dressed as zombies. Yes. And then, like, sometimes, because it was when they do the cast switch outs in the sometimes, houses. Yeah, you have you to get out. You're back. not allowed to be in a hot tub for more than 30 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> you would uh, walk past an empty jacuzzi tub in the middle of a haunted and house. And you go, ooh, and you go, spooky. Bacteria. If I go in there, I'll yeah. get pruny. Yeah, exactly. This is also the first year of The Purge that they, they brought. Not, oh, the, not, the, not the actual Purge. Finally, like the Purge Universal did not start. started to <laughs> let the Purge happen on their grounds. Yeah. They've been um, teasing people with real it, bloodshed for 25 years, exactly. and they're like, Jack is back, baby. We're going to let people. everybody kill each other. It was a scare zone that year, and people really liked it, because even though the movie itself wasn't good, the concept was just so good, it worked perfectly for a scare zone. And this is what I was talking about earlier with the um, pe- the scare actors that were dressed as guests. Okay. So part of what would make the Purge like scare zone really scary was that there would be actors walking through like guests with other groups of scare actors as guests and then people would come Ooh, in and take them and like kill out. them and like part of the show yes. it was a really really great way to utilize that scare zone and to skeeve out Dev and Devin. to skeeve you out exactly people really loved it and they would bring back the purge for years to come so 26 was a direct sequel of 25 but instead Chance Jack's sidekick was the icon of the event. Good for her. Um, good for her, exactly. Yes. She's awesome. Year of the Woman. Year of the Woman. We all remember. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, no, that probably had some like nice posts. Well, actually, no, the election. walked so that Hillary Clinton could run. <laughs> yeah, exactly. For president. For president. Uh, so I'm a Democratic activist. Don't come for me. A Chance was the icon, and the idea was that after the events of 25 and like the Carnival of Carnage, she and Jack got thrown into a mental asylum. And so she, Neat. this also, the idea idea that all of this that was happening at Halloween Horror Nights was her theater of the mind. Like, the, the the logo for the event was a comedy and tragedy sign that were, like, messed up. So it was happening in, like, the theater of yes. her mind. She was reliving all of her kills yes. and stuff like that. It was really cool. Theater. Um, it was uh, cool. It was very popular. They didn't like her 
quite as much as Jack, but she did a good job. Um, so 27 was the last year of Bill and Ted. That's tragic. It was also the first year without The Walking Dead, though. Okay. So People kind were of very a, yeah. sad about Bill and Ted closing. There were like... But they're like Pyrrhic victory. Petitions, and they're like, yeah. hey, like, let's not end this show. Um, and then other people were like, you know, it's been going on for 27 years. Like, the children don't know who Bill and Ted are anymore. Yeah. Like, the, the children, when it started, barely knew who Bill and Ted yes. were. Uh, this also, this year, had a Shining House, which is interesting. Because I don't think of The Shining as a particularly scary movie. Um, well, that makes uh, one podcast. But they did, they did, like, all the iconic scenes. They did, like, the el- the blood elevator and the, the like, through the maze of the snow. You know, I hate going into a building and pressing the elevator button, and I get the blood elevator. Yeah, exactly. It's like, Ugh, again. Again with the blood elevator. I should elevator. have worn my white pants. <laughs> should wear my rain boots next time. Which brings us to last year's event, Halloween Horror Nights 28, which is the one that I got to go to for the first time, which was so exciting. Incredible. So, yes. 80s themed. Yes. Very cool. Ran for 36 nights. That's longer than October. That so, it, did it go before October or and at the end it, of October? Uh, it began at the in like September and then ran to like November first. It doesn't happen every night. Okay. Um, it's usually it's select night, so it's usually like a weekday or two, and then like all weekend or like not Sundays. As it gets closer to Halloween, it gets more frequent during the week. Got it. Um, so it ran for thirty six nights, which is a long time. Yes. Um, I went to it three times um, throughout the course of the event. So, it, yes, it was 80s themed, but all the houses and the scare zones either took place in the 80s or were uh, intellectual properties in the 80s. So, like, okay. Poltergeist was a house. Yes. Um, Trick or Treat, which is not made in the 80s, but takes place in the 80s. Ghostbusters? No, unfortunately. Uh, what were... Star Wars? No. Um, but Stranger Things was... They had no icon this year. Okay. Um, but the icon was kind of... The concept of Stranger Things. Um, <laughs> why are you laughing? That's just a bit of a jump the shark moment of the icon this year is it's just kind of like a concept. a concept. Like all of the advertising would show, like, you know, the arches when you come to Universal? Yes. It was that in the Upside Down, so it was Upside Down and it had like the veins, the Demogorgon Neat. around it. It was very cool. Um, so Stranger Things was like the big house this year. They used the biggest soundstage. The wait for it was like over two hours every single night. And it was the first haunted house, not only that I went in Halloween Horror Nights, but that I ever went to. Incredible. This was the first time I got to go into a haunted house. I was really worried because I didn't know what kind of haunted house person I was. I was like, what if I'm a puncher? What if I'm a vomiter? Yeah. What if I'm a pass-outer? Like, Ooh, what if I'm a pass-outer? What if I'm all three of those at the same time? Ah, uh, punch, vomit, pass-out. <laughs> yeah, out. exactly. That's, my, that's just a Friday night. I was super worried. Um, so I went to the Stranger Things house. And what was really cool is that like the first room was you entering the Netflix show. So it was a black room, and then it was like, you know how when the show starts, it's the letters. Yeah, you were walking through this door, and above you was the Stranger Things thing going, like, super cool. Like, what was really cool about this house is so you go through, like, the forest where all the kids were looking for Will. I was like, oh my god, who's this name? Um, And then you would go through, like, where she's hacking at the wall with the lights and the yeah. letters, but then you go into the upside down and it was the same house reversed. Oh, that's cool. But in super the upside cool. down. Very it was cool. awesome and it would end in like the facility in Long Island with Eleven choking Demogorgon. It was awesome. Uh, there was a couple other really great houses. Scary Tales, which I mentioned earlier. Yes. It was actually the fifth Scary Tales house slash Garazone the Halloween Horror Nights had ever done. Um, there were, it was about the Wicked Witch of the West sort of corrupting all these scary, these fairy tale worlds. Oh, very cool. Um, she flew in the house in this big castle which was cool. Poltergeist, which was my favorite house of the year. Mm-hmm. I have never felt so immersed in anywhere as I would have went to Poltergeist. When you have you seen the movie? Yeah. You know, you entered through the pool of the house. 
So you're walking Very up cool. to the house, and like above you, there was like the door in front of you, and then above you was it was all dirt, and then the house up there with the lights flashing and the wind blowing. It was raining inside the house, yes. and you walked in, and you started to smell nothing but dirt because you were underground. I love the smell of dirt. And you walked through, and like the tendrils of like the plants were hitting you. It was so good. There was a house called Carnival Graveyard, which took place in like a carnival scrapyard, which had a ton of props from past year's events, and had a really cool thing that I like in Halloween Horror Nights houses called Guest Activated Targets. Yes. So Guest Activated Targets are little interactive things in the house that if you see them, you see them. If you don't, you don't. But usually they have buttons or switches, something that says like, hey, push this, and then something happens. So it like sprays water on people, or it sprays air, or causes a noise to happen. Or a, or big, just... a big giant claw comes down and fucks up one of those guests. Yeah, exactly. Um, the next one says Slaughter Cinema, which I'm guessing, it's spelled with an S, so I'm yeah. guessing that it's something having to do with maybe Democratic uh, Senator from Arizona, Kirsten Cinema helping to stop some slaughter person, being a, a little, hero. Okay. A little bit. Yes. Um, it was, every year they kind of do like a joke house, like one that's still scary, but it's also kind of funny. Okay. Um, so this was like their funny house of the year, and it was all B-movies, like not real. All no, not I'll like the Jerry Seinfeld movie. That's the scary house that I want to go into. What, the B-movie house? Yeah, but like, okay, B-movies. Um, so, not real ones, but ones that Universal had made up. There was one that was called Sorority Sacrifice, and it was Adam, two sorority girls. Adam, all movies are made up. <laughs> Uh, All right, two sorority girls. Um, sorority girls who were like murdering like frat boys, and they wore watermelons on their heads. And there was one called Devil Dogs, which was uh, uh, they were bikers. They were also werewolves, and you were in like Ooh. a dive bar. But the best part of this house is that it would be the show scene of the uh, of the movie, and then you'd walk into the next room. And there was like a little mini room that would introduce the next film. So it was a poster of the film, and then an overhead voice would say what the name of the film was. Okay. But this overhead voice kept going like. Devil dogs and like sorority sacrifice. And then there was one where the film was called Cult of the Beast Baby. So when we walked in, we, the, the man, he goes, Cult of the Beast Baby. We walked in, it was an octagular room with all mirrors and all people in black cloaks facing the mirrors. And then in the center of the room, a baby doll in a little cage. It was so good. It was so funny. Cult of the Beast Baby is the name of my ska band. Cult of the Beast Baby. Yeah, not, not, it's, it's Cult, Cult of, of the Beast, Beast comma, comma Baby. baby. There's a house called Dead Exposure, which I think was the most frightening house of the year. I wish I could tell you more of what happened to him. My eyes were closed for most of it, because like I had my eyes, because like the first, this was like the third house we went through, and the first two houses we did were Stranger Things and Scary Tales, yes. which were not that scary. Like yes. they were more interesting than scary. So we were walking into Dead Exposure, and we were like, okay, like this is a big boy house. Yes. We got put our big boy pants on, like this mm-hmm. is a big boy house. Yeah. Um, and we were walking through, and it like the outside of the house or the exterior was you at some like war camp and was like tents and stuff, okay. and they were doing some spiels about how, it was like a zombie house. Uh-huh. So they're doing spiels about how there was a um, an outbreak and that you were going to get vaccinated through the spray. And they said something like, the vaccination will cause like temporary hallucinations and blindness. And we were like, okay. what? And they sprayed us with the thing as we went to the house. And so the house used strobes a lot, but the strobes would change speeds. Okay. Which made it impossible to know how fast you were going right. or anyone else was. And it gave the characters just enough time to like hide in the darkness. Yeah. There was one scene where you stepped onto a subway car that was like 
shaking uh-huh. under you and you looked forward. Like imagine Transit you're standing on the, the end. Yeah. Imagine you're standing on the end of a subway car, like where the door of the next car is and you're looking down. So there it. were six zombies standing static in a line. Okay. And of course one of them was real. So in the flashing Adam, one of them aren't real. One of them would charge you uh. and then run back. Oh my god. And then like so I start I close my eyes shortly after this scene and it was so long at a point I was like the house has got to be over and I opened it up and I was in an all white room with blood splattered uh, on the uh, wall and I went nope and I closed my eyes again do not like it was very very scary this all this this one also had some good scare zones there was a Chucky scare zone with all like demented toys there was a one called Twisted Traditions um, which was sort of like corrupted Halloween traditions so like morphed human jack-o'-lanterns okay which very was cool. cool and then Vamp 85 which was my favorite scare zone which was a New Year's Eve street party in New York City 1985 that got overrun by vampires but vampires that were in like 80s garb so there was like a Michael Jackson vampire there was a Prince vampire there was a mm. gem and the holograms vampire oh very cool this was a sequel to a scare zone they did in 2016 or 17 called Vamp 55 which was a prom like a 55 yeah it was it was a prom where the, the football team was like the Suns and they were and the they were playing the Bats and the Bats was a school of vampire greasers very who came good. and like overtook their homecoming um, and so I, I was very scared first going to this event I was like I, I've been wanting to go to this event for years I don't know if yeah. I'm actually going to like it and as soon as I finished that first house it was such an adrenaline shot of like I have to keep doing how yeah. I did like all the houses that night I went back to Horror Nights three times it really just the amount of storytelling and detail and just incredible effects and the amount of care they put into these things I was like like this is such theater it's yeah. theater that you can walk straight into and it's so creative and it completely like I'd already loved Haunted Attractions as a concept but like this like really ignited why I loved them so much nice so yeah that concludes our kind of episode proper so this is a very exciting show yeah for me I don't like scary things but I like history and I'm a big nerd and I also love theme parks mm-hmm. I'm very excited could you Tell the people, like, what you want this show to be, what you're excited about, some future things. Absolutely. So if y'all are interested in continuing to listen to our nonsense, um, I definitely, we're going to do a lot of sort of talking about the famous haunted attractions in the United States. There's a lot of really famous ones. Halloween Horror Nights is one. Um, Not Scary Farm is was the first haunted attraction to ever be in a theme park. The Haunted Mansions at Disney and Disneyland. Of course. Sort of in the ideas of like home haunts and like people that put up haunted attractions in their home every Halloween. Ghost tours, like haunted escape rooms. Um, extreme haunted houses like McKamey Manor are all stuff that we're going to cover the details of and the history of them and their current place in our culture of why we we scare ourselves like this. And also, there are other spooky ways besides haunted attractions that people like to scare themselves. Yeah. So, like, talking, like, Halloween is a concept. Like, the Ouija board, yeah, creepypastas. I, I brought up ghost tours. Yes, ghost tours. Um, why we like true crime and ghost hunting shows, but also, like, Rocky Horror Picture Show Midnight Screamings. Like, that's a big part of horror culture. Yeah. I'm super, super excited. Mm -hmm. I would like to introduce a little outro bit. Yeah. Just for myself. I would like to rate how spooked I got. Oh, this is good. In kind of a a thermometer of Devin's spook. Can I I rate how spooked I am for, like, gauging purposes, or should it just be you? Yeah, give me, like, you should give, like, a this is how spooked I was... If you like, how spooked were you out of ten by haunted Hall- horror nights, Halloween nights? <laughs> yeah, at spook level, I'm gonna give myself like a 
6.5 or 7 out of 10. It's dependent on the house. But like excitement, love level, love level, like 15 out of 10. I was very spooked in general. So like talking about theme parks doing haunted attractions mm -hmm. doesn't seem like something that would be super, super creepy. Yeah. And creepy stuff is what gets me. Like creepy horror movies. I don't like blood. I don't like creepy things. I'm, I'm a big fan of bugs. Okay. Bugs I like. We should talk about It's Tough to Be a Bug, the scariest uh, attraction in Walt Disney World. I love that idea. <laughs> um, it is hard to be a bug. Yeah. Um, but thinking about like going to a theme park, it's not the kind of place I would expect it to be spooked. Mm -hmm. Like when you're talking about the kinds of really scary stuff that these places do, to me I go, this is the fun place that I paid money to ride the teacups and have fun. Yeah. So it's very interesting to me that people would pay to get spooked at these places. Yeah. That's fascinating. I was spooked about a, I'll give it also like a 7 out of 10. Oh, cool, cool. Yeah. Yeah, I, that's that's very valid that you say, like, why would people pay an exuberant amount of money yes. to get scared for fun? There were points where I feel like I could have gone up to 10 out of 10 skeeve-out range, yeah. but I'm leaving myself room because I'm sure there will be scarier, scarier things yeah. than Universal Studios Haunted Horror Nights. And that <laughs> fact, Adam, the fact that I can see so much headroom yeah. to this spook scale is making me scared to do this dang, dig dang podcast dang, with dang you. whole podcast. And, but you know what? The biggest part of why people keep going back to Halloween Horror Nights again and again is like, this sounds really corny, but like a big part of it is the people. Yeah. Um, there's the regulars that go every year and they relish in these stories and they go with their friends and they say, I remember I went to this house in 2005 yeah. when it was this. And I remember when they moved this to here. And it's these pe these characters have been working at the event for years and years and they've withstanded the the corporate stuff and the getting punched by guests and like stuff yeah. like that and they still come back year after year because they love doing this because they know even though they're making people scared what the best thing about Halloween Horror Nights is that immediately after the scream is the laugh yeah you scream you get freaked out and you said that was ridiculous that was so much fun let's do it again incredible so this has been episode one of the great American scream uh, do we have a Twitter handle uh, we do it is I believe it's at great scream pod Incredible. I don't know if it's going to stay that way, but that's the one I could get. That's what, that's what we're using. Um, yeah, great, also, at Great Screen Pod. The website for the show is thegreatamericanscream.com. Yes. Um, we're also on Facebook. At we're the also great on American Facebook. Screen. Be sure to tell your friends to subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And also, if you are listening on iTunes, be sure to rate and uh, leave a review. It's the best way for us to show up on search lists and different things like that. But other than that, I've been Devin Wright. I've been Adam O'Connell. And hopefully you've been very, very spooked. spooked. <laughs>